Hey, dear listeners, Brother Head here. A uh, quick introduction before I get going with this episode. One, I want to apologize for the delay. I know it's a week behind, well, actually a month and week, but that's another story entirely. I got delayed with my own uh, being inside my own head and everything going on with me. I got running behind. Uh, but here is this month's episode. Also, originally, this was going to have Armageddon Inferno issues one and two covered. But due to, again, getting stuck in my own head, have my own problems, I'm only doing the first issue this month. And next issue, I'll do the second issue. And then I'll do the last two in the following month. So, or maybe I'll do all three next month. I haven't decided yet. Anyways, just wanted to give you a quick, you know, why it's late and what's going on with this. Uh, I'm still here. Uh, check out, I've just launched a new domain, headcastnetwork.com. You can get all my shows on there. It's still a work in progress. Um, I I don't have a lot of people going to the website making any, I don't have anyone going to the website making comments. So I'm not sure if people's listening to them at the individual websites, you know, head.headspeaks.com and so forth. Uh, right now at Headcast Network, you can listen to the last five episodes of each show. I've got all of my shows on there. I got the Headcast Network feed on there. And again, it's a work in progress, so it may be changing as we go along. I will be having links back to the regular, you know, G.I. Joe.headspeaks with the main, everything like I usually do, head.headspeaks.com and all that. But right now, it's a little more bare bones. I'm working on fixing things up a little bit. I want to get that out there. I've also updated my brotherhead, I'm sorry, my headspeaks.com website. So be sure to check that out. And uh, a final thing for this episode, about halfway through, again, it took me a little while to get this episode recorded due to life. About halfway through, I ended up ordering some new mics, or a new mic. So about 15 minutes or so in, uh, when I'm talking about, I'll play a little clip from Good Golly Miss Molly by Little Richard. Uh, right after that, I talk a bit, and then I will be switching over to a new mic. So let me know what you guys think. And uh, that's enough talking. It's been two minutes or so, so let's get on with the show. Bring us in, Bugs. Hello there, true believers. This is Head Speaks, a proud member of the Headcast Network family of shows. As usual, I am your host, Aaron Moss, a.k.a. Head. This is my mostly monthly headcast, where I talk about comics, movies, role-playing games, TV shows, and anything else geeky that I want. So sit back and enjoy the ride. Let's begin. Welcome, dear listeners, to episode 55 of Head Speaks. This time out, I'm bringing you what's in Head's long box as I start on the next Armageddon miniseries. Armageddon Inferno. We're going to look at issues one and two this time. Uh, and that's probably it. So let's go ahead and move on to that. Roll the bumper. Faster than a speeding bullet. In the 
great hall of the Justice League. Spider-Man and his amazing friends. The Justice League of America versus the Legion of Doom. This is What's in His Long Box. Dedicated to truth, justice, and peace for all mankind. The world's greatest super friends. As I talked about in my intro, this month we're going to start looking at Armageddon Inferno issues 1 and 2. Uh, before I get started, I would want to say thanks to Mike's Amazing World of Comics, which is at www.mikesamazingworld.com for all this information. Mike's is a great site for us podcasters. Uh, so the first issue, of course, we're going to look at Armageddon Inferno number one. The cover date was April of 1992. The on-sale date was February the 25th, 1992. The cover price was $1. The title of this issue is called Seeds of Doom. The writer was John Ossinger, who, again, I do several podcasts on. I love the guy. Uh, well, not actually love him, because I don't know him that well. But anyways, the pencil is Luke McDonald. Those two are teamed up from the Suicide Squad. Artist is Tom Mandrake, Arthur Adams, Michael Netzer, and Walt Simonson. The anchor was Bruce in Solotov. Letter was John Costanza. Colorist, Dean Giangelo. And editor was Dennis O'Neill. And the cover is done by Michael Netzer and Joseph Rubenstein. And here's the synopsis. Uh, the synopsis actually came from the DC Wiki. Wave Rider flies through the time stream when he feels a sharp stabbing pain, which tells him that someone, or Thang, is ripping the time stream. He tracks the disruption to present-day Wyoming in a valley called the Devil's Bones. Very ominous. There, 12 people have been drawn and evoked the arrival of Abraxas. During Wave Rider's recent exploits, Abraxas became aware of the time stream and other dimensions. He found he could exert subconscious influence on certain individuals, thus coordinating the events of his own summons. Unfortunately, the summons was only enough to allow him to contact, but not entry to this dimension. Wave Rider attempts to intervene, but Abraxas manages to capture him. Abraxas then offers the Twelve a chance to rule by his side as he conquers the dimension by giving him their souls, an offer to which they agree. Abraxas takes the souls, merges them with bits of his own power, and Hocus Pocus returns them, therefore, or thereby, transforming them into a superpowered agent called the Daemon. He tells them that in order to fully enter the dimension, the Daemon must construct four giant bodies, called Simacra, in four different points of time. He divides the Daemon into four groups of three in order to build slash protect these Simacra. Wave Rider manages to escape Abraxas' bonds, and it identifies the four errors. Using his ability to read possible futures, he is able to identify which arrows he can pluck from their respective points in time in order to combat the Damian and Simurka without harming the normal flow of time. In the far future, beyond Wave Rider and the Legion of Superheroes, he can send Flash, Martian Manhunter, Power Girl, Superman, Troya, and Wonder Woman. In the midst of World War II, he is confined, due to the Spear of Destiny's influence, Use existing soldiers like the members of Easy Company and the Losers augmented with Hungarian Hawkman and Hawkwoman. In prehistory, Wave Rider can assemble Enemy Ace, Enemy Ace, Guy Gardner, Lobo, Orion, and Starfire. And in the recent past, more than likely August the 21st, 1991, he sends Batman, Creeper, Firestorm, Spectre, and Ultra Boy. These heroes fight members of the Damien the husk-like zombies of people from the time period, and ultimately the Simicron. Sk- 
But these efforts are futile as the silicone is successfully built and processed by a portion of Abrax's consciousness. And I want to learn how to say silicone a little better because I know over in G.I. Joe, that's going to start coming up pretty soon. <laughs> I got a little bit, you know, a little bit here is going to start coming up. Anyways, let's go ahead and move on to the actual issue and, and get my thoughts on it, as I usually do. Uh, first of all, I read this when it first came out, and I enjoyed it, in quotes. I actually remember liking the last one, Armageddon Alien Agenda, a little better. But I think part was the artwork. This artwork is a little more darker, a little more grittier. Like I said, one of the artists is Tom Mandrake, who who does a... Uh, I'm sorry, the pencil is Luke McDonald, who does a, a darker... Grittier time, uh, not time, but a darker, grittier characters. And I love them on Suicide Squad, but on a superhero book, I'm not the hugest fan. So, uh, the artwork on this overall is okay. Like I say, it's a little dark and gritty in a lot of places for me, but it is what it is. So, let's go ahead and look at the issue. First, as usual, we'll start with the cover. We get our logo at the top. Armageddon Inferno, it's number one. We get a little picture of Wave Rider on the side. Let's know it's a four-issue miniseries. The main cover itself shows Wave Rider when he's tied up with Abraxas's uh, energy beams. Behind him, we have Batman, the Spectre, and the Creeper all lunging at him. Uh, overall, it's a good cover. Uh, it's not too heavily inked. It's not too dark. I, I like this cover. Uh, Creeper... Spectre and Batman are all nicely done. It's a, it's a classic gray and blue Batman that, you know, I, I grew up with. So, I, I, Wave Rider's done nicely. Again, we can see he's kind of in pain from these energy beams around him. Overall, I really like this cover. Let's go move on to the story itself. The first page we get with a, a, a splash page from behind, behind Wave Rider. Uh, this was done, it looks like, penciled by Luke McDonald. And here on the first page, it breaks down who does what. So, again, before I just briefly read off what I got from Mike's Amazing World, but officially, Luke McDonald penciled pages 1 through 9, Tom Mandrake penciled 13 through 24, Art Adams did page 10, Mike Netzler did page 11, Walt Simonson did page 12, and as far as inkers go, uh, Bruce M. Soloff, in pages 1 through 9, Tom Mandrake did 13 through 24, so it looks like he penciled his own inks, or inks his own pencils. Art Adams did page 10. Again, he did the pencils and inks. Mike Netzer did page 11. He did the pencils and inks. And Walt Simonson did page 12. So it looks like they all did their own pencils and inks, except for pages 1 through 9, which was done by Luke McDonald and Bruce Soldoff. I'm not familiar with that name. I didn't really look them up, but... This first page, it's not a bad page. We get a, a backside of Wave Rider as he flies this time stream. We get the title of this issue, Seeds of Doom. It's not a bad image. It's just, for me, as I've said elsewhere and probably here, in my superhero comics, I like a little more of the four color, a little more of the, the clarity of it. I like the darker, grittier style, like on Suicide Squad, I think it fits. Uh, 
I know John Ostender and uh, Tom Mandrake worked on the Spectre. And again, the darker, grittier worked on that. On this one here, I personally would have preferred a more cleaner art style. I'm not saying it's bad. It's just not what I would have preferred for it. Something that, that's containing, you know, regular superheroes. But again, the art overall is not bad. It's just, and again, I, I'm doubling back on myself. It's good artwork. And like I say, here on page, uh, what is this, page three, we've got uh, 12 panels, well, 13 panels, 12 panels of the individual faces, and one at the bottom of the lightning flashing where they're at. This is a nice page. I do like this where it shows the 12 people that's calling Abraxas, and it's got, like I said, it's a 12 panel grid with a, a another panel below it, and we got some words in the middle of the boxes. I do like the way this is laid out, and since they're summoning a demon, this part of it actually I don't really have a, a problem with, in quotes. In fact, the next page where we, it's like a long view showing the 12 people, we show like colored winds and whatnot, lightning, fire, as an eye opens. This is really nice. In fact... If it had been my druthers, if I'd been in charge, I would have probably had. Uh, I don't know. I, I, personally, I probably would have had Luke McDonald do these pages with the demon coming. And I probably would have assigned some of the, the more superhero pages to a more clear cut superhero artist, if you will. I know Walt Simonson's in a lot, but again, I, I, I'm, this may be blasphemy. But I'm not a huge fan of a lot of Walt's work, except for in certain titles. Because, again, he can be a bit darker and grittier also. So, uh, But here on page four, I believe it is. These pages aren't numbered, so I'm just kind of guesstimating. Uh, we get a huge eye encircled in fire. This is a very nice panel. I, I love the way this panel is laid out. Uh, not a lot of words at this point, a lot of dialogue. But, yeah, we got this Abraxas has come in big, in a big speech bubble. It's very nice. And then we cut, like I say, to an overhead view of the big eye in the in the fire with the people below him. And then we get to Wave Rider. See, in my opinion, I would have personally had someone else do these pages. Or at least maybe have someone else work with Luke McDonald. I, I, I love Luke McDonald's artwork. And like I say, it's a certain style. And in four-color superhero stuff, I normally, as I've said elsewhere, prefer, and I said it earlier, in fact, a, a cleaner style. Uh, so I would have probably mixed Tom Mandrake and uh, Lou McDonald with somebody else on one of these pages, personally. Again, I'm not saying they're bad, because again, Lou McDonald, and what all of these artists are, are great artists. So I'm not saying it's bad, it's just not what I prefer for this type of book. But well, I say that, but parts of it's really fantastic, because parts of it really fit. Uh, the darker... Like, so there's a panel here with Wave Rider being encircled by the, kind of like on the cover with the, the uh, energy beams. We get the eye at the people down there. This page is a great page. And the next page, we get the, the eyes I talked about in the synopsis, which is Abraxas. Firing, in quotes, on these people. And we're getting a description where he says he's going to turn them into Damians. He's going to send it through time. And we see four different... Uh, beams, if you will, with three different people each going to different times. This all, 
I think for the most part, and again, I'm fighting for myself as I go through this. So please bear with me as I, as I fight internally into some podcasting that's coming out externally uh, over whether I like it or not. Because again, I've got mixed feelings. Because some of it's really fantastic. And, and some of it, while it's good artwork, it, again, it's not quite what I look for with a superhero book. So, again, I have mixed feelings on this one. And I know a lot of people weren't happy with these Armageddon miniseries. Uh, the last one, like I said, I talked about, I, I asked several of my fellow little podcasters and no one wanted to talk to me about it or talk with me about it. This one here, a few more people were a little more interested, but no one got was really had time when I got to it. So, uh, but like I said, this one here, it's not quite as, I'm going to say dis, in quotes, disliked. Mainly because this series brings back eventually the Justice Society of America, which a lot of people love. I enjoy them too, but I don't have the love that a lot of people do, but I enjoy the Justice Society of America. So uh, that's why I think this book here gets less hate, I guess is the best word, than a lot of the other books or the other series that came out right before this one. So uh, back to this book, though. Uh, so again, we get Wave Rider, he's caught in energy beams, he's thinking, are we Abraxas? Are the most your power? Perhaps while your attention is focused elsewhere, I can break free as he busts free of the, the, the bonds that held him, and he flies off. And again, the next few pages shows Wave, Wave Rider in the time stream trying to... He's finding out where the, the beams have went. And he is trying to find heroes that he can use that's not going to mess up the time stream. He's born from different times. And then here on page, I think it's page 10, we get a shot of uh, we got Martian Manhunter, Wonder Woman, Troya, The Flash, which I believe is the Wally West Flash, Superman, and Power Girl. And he's talking about he's into the future, beyond the one that created me, a time when the Lucha Legion of Superheroes lie dormant. Into this time, I guess, Call of the Falling. And he's talking about, he's called Way, uh, Superman, Wonder Woman, Troya, Flash, Power Girl, and Martian Manhunter. It's the, as great a symbol of powers as seen in any era. Will they be enough to stop a praxis? And again, so the next couple pages, we see him calling the heroes he's going to be calling. Uh, the next page, we see him calling forth the Sergeant Rock and the Losers, along with the Fingarian Hawkman and Hawkwoman. This is the post-crisis uh, Hawkman Hawkwoman where they got the metal wings. Uh, again, they're, he said that World War II, he can do, only do very little because the Spear of Destiny. The Spear of Destiny is what Hitler had back in the JSA comics and focused on a pre-crisis. This is what kept heroes, what they used to say they kept heroes out of World War II. Because all the superheroes, World War II rolled around. People like, why don't the heroes go in and stop it? The writers came up with the Spear of Destiny, which is the spear that, uh, if I'm not mistaken, pierced the side of Christ when he was hung on the cross. It was a nude of power. Hitler had it, and that stopped superpowered people from coming over to uh, Europe and fighting in World War II. So apparently, the Spear of Destiny not only affects superheroes, it can also affect uh, cosmic beings like Wave Rider. 
Uh, the next page, we see uh, Starfire, Guy Gardner, Enemy Ace, Lobo, and Orion. Again, Orion is from the New Gods. I'm hit or miss with them. Uh, Lobo, I really like at times. <laughs> I really like him for a while. In fact, here on the top corner, we get a, a signature by Walt Simonson, it looks like. Uh, Guy Gardner is a Green Lantern. Enemy Ace, he's, he's from World War II, I want to say. And we, we get Starfire, who was... They said they took her from the early days of the New Titans. Uh, they said New Titans. I wonder if he means the New Teen Titans. Because this was probably about around the time that the New Titans came out. I'm not sure. I'll look and see. Hmm. Anyways, but yeah, we show this group of heroes. And then the last page we show of this little section. He talks about how he's calling forth uh, Jonah. He used to be called Ultra Boy at the Legion of Superheroes. If I'm not mistaken, Ultra Boy was kind of like a Superman-type character, in quotes. But he could only use one power at a time. And from his earlier years, he takes Firestorm. And he pulls the Creeper. And he pulls Batman. He says if you can find him, he'd like to use the Spectre. Because again, the Spectre is, you know, God's Wrath or God's Vengeance. I forget offhand. But, again, Firestorm shows up. And as I've said before, Firestorm is one of my two favorite characters. I love Firestorm, so I'm happy that he shows up. Uh, so we cut and we see uh, present-day Gotham City, where Batman swoops down and talks to Commissioner Gordon. And Commissioner Gordon has an aura around him, which lets us know that someone's possessing him. As Batman comes down, Gordon's like, Hello, Batman. Glad you could come. And Batman's right away like, You're not Commissioner Gordon. Who are you? Why'd you like the bat signal? And then Wave Rider shows himself. And he's like, How'd you, how'd you know I wasn't Gordon? He's like, There's a nimbus about you. Gordon tends not to glow. He's also given up smoking. Because Gordon was standing there smoking a cigar. And this was the point where, in the early 90s, smoking... I'm trying to watch how I say it, because I don't want to say it the wrong way. Uh, smoking has always been bad, but people have, in the 90s, really came down on smoking. And people were kind of upset that superheroes were smoking. Like, and not even heroes, but people like Gordon and James Gordon and Wolverine and other characters were smoking. They said, well, that's a, that's a bad present for, for kids. So they gave, I'm not mistaken, by this point, they gave uh, Jim Gordon a heart attack. Because of the smoking, they haven't given it up. So that's another reason Batman knew that this wasn't that Gordon he knew. I don't know why Wave Rider would have realized this, but uh, we'll, go, we'll roll with it. And uh, so Wave Rider explains to Batman what's going on, and Batman says he wasn't aware he could shift people in time. Because Wave Rider, as we've talked about over the last several months, I'm sorry, over the last year or two, Wave Rider can actually shift people. He goes and he can look at people's futures, look in their past, and see what's going to happen to them. He can see their possible futures. Which, again, as we talked about over the last two years, is kind of problematic, but we're not going to go into that again. <laughs> but he tells them that he's acquired a device from some individuals in the future, and I believe he's referring to the Legion of Superheroes. And Batman's like, I don't know why you want me. Cosmic is not my strong point. And he's like, there's only so many people I can pull from certain junctures, and you I can pull without messing with reality. I like this. Batman's like, 
you put it that way, how can I refuse? So we take him somewhere else where he meets the Creeper from the recent past. As I talked about in the synopsis, uh, several different places recognize this as uh, probably August the 21st of 1991 as what was going on here. Uh, looking at it, this was uh, there in Moscow. It was on the night after the recent coup. Tried to throw out Gorbachev. And again, I like this because, again, Batman came from our present. And he was sent back to the recent past. He was sent back to uh, August of 1991. So it was about a year prior. Not even quite a year. So, again, Batman says that... Uh, let me see real quick. I think that... Because he's talking about how they're in Moscow. And he read reports of how rock bands try to keep the spirits up. And he's like, I think that's good golly Miss Molly. Strange, isn't it? I think Little Richard had a hand in rating on communism. aren't rush anymore? Never mind. This isn't why Wave Rider brought me back in time. Are you fool? That, however, probably is. You see some lightning off in the distance. And I've got to say, here at the very bottom of this page, the, the scene of Batman and the Creeper, it's in the darkness, got the rain falling. There's a couple of very nice images here. I really love the way it's like Batman's almost blending into the background because he's so dark and Creeper. And then at the last panel on this page, we get the lightning striking, and we get a silhouette of these two. That's really nice. I like that. And then the next couple pages shows Batman and the Creeper taking on uh, this this uh, circle, or whatever it's called, this body they're building for the bad guy. Abraxas, that's his name. And I like the Creeper. I don't love him, but I always enjoyed the Creeper. He's a very... Interesting character. I love the way yeah, he's, he's a little insane. Uh, he's kind of like a Joker to me mixed with uh, maybe a little Batman combined, I guess, because he's trying to do good. But again, he's a little on the insane side, insane side, insane side. He's got green hair, yellowish, greenish skin, something like that. Uh, he's got a red shawl around him, I guess. Uh, I haven't read a whole lot of The Creeper, but I have read some of The Creeper, especially when I first got into comics. And yeah, he's just a very interesting character. I, I think I read him in Secret Origins, uh, that friend of the show, Ryan Daly, has had a podcast on. Uh, definitely check that out. But so yeah, I love that this uh, this servant, I guess, uh, what do you call him? A husk. That's what they're calling him. It says her name was Anna Kunaya. But now she's like playing mind tricks on the creeper, not knowing that. Again, as I said, the creeper's a little insane, so the, these mind tricks don't work so on him. I mean, it's like trying to play a mind trick on the Joker. Joker's going to laugh and go through it. That's what he does here. He's he is, he's jumping through. He's like, "What well, this love wasn't here just a moment ago. 
Would you play games with me, rash mortal? Shall I try some tricks of my own? Ha ha ha, as he laughs as he leaps across the other side of the, the lava. And the uh, the gal, the husk, is saying, is no game. The maze does not end. The traps will not cease. Sooner or later, you will die. And again, the creeper, as I said repeatedly, he's insane. He's like, everyone dies. You go first. <laughs> and again, I don't know the origins of the creeper's creation, but I wonder how much of the Joker or thoughts of the Joker's were involved with the creeper. Because he's got the same hair color. He's always laughing, much like the Joker. It looks very much like a, a Joker, not necessarily wannabe, but a, a Joker-inspired character to me. I'd be curious when they came up with the Creeper, how the decisions were made to make him like he is. It's interesting. And they're back outside of Batman, and we have uh, Ultra Boy from the Legion of Superheroes. Uh, this He's not in a costume, so I think this may be from the five-year-later run, possibly. Yeah, I think the five-year-later Legion was running at this time. So this was when the, the Legion of Superheroes comic was a darker comic. Uh, it was more... I said, there wasn't a lot of superhero costumes in it. They were where I grew costumes. Uh, they went by the real names. In fact, when uh, Batman meets him, Ultra Boy's like, Batman, this is your era then? And Batman hasn't met him, so he's like, you have the advantage of me, friend. And Ultra Boy's like, the name's Jonah. I used to be called Ultra Boy. I'm with the Legion of Superheroes and a couple of centuries in the future. And he said, some guy with electric hair, who we know is Wave Rider, told me that his uh, future was... Uh, he was in a future that no longer was to be, and that he was needed in the past. So, again, yeah, the Legion of Superheroes was, as I said, was a very darker book at this time. It was very much like drawn like this. A lot of blacks, a lot of heavy inks. Uh, so I think Jonah at this point fits in well. And yes, his name is Jonah. Uh, sounds like Jonah. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe his origin is tied into a, a cosmic well or something like that, if I'm not mistaken. I'm pretty sure that it's very much of a biblical reference. In fact, again, that's who I am. I had to look it up and see because I knew it was something about a whale, a space whale or something, because I remember Jonah and a whale. But yeah, according to uh, the Wikipedia on him, uh, he gained his powers when the vehicle he was flying through outer space and was swallowed by an ultra- Energy Beast, a.k.a. Space Whale. Exposing radiation while inside. And again, his real name, as I said, is derived from the biblical, fi biblical figure Jonah, who was swallowed by a large fish, often interpreted to be a whale. So, yeah, I remember, I don't remember where I first heard that at, but I did remember that his name was tied into, and I never caught that when I first started reading The Legion of Superheroes. It was sometime after that that I, that I caught Somewhere point was pointed out to me that because you know, I didn't know his origins, I found out you know, he was explored by space well, and that was the biblical reference there. So I just think again, this I, I enjoyed this version of Legion Superheroes, even though I'm more of a, a four color superhero person. I, I did enjoy what I think it was Giffen was doing on this book. And again, so if you're not familiar with Legion of Superheroes. Or Ultra Boy, he picks Batman up and flies off with him. And Batman's like, you can fly? And this, we get a little bit of exposition explaining his powers. He says he can only use one energy. He's using energy 
Oh, one power at a time. Speed, strength, invertibility. So Ultra Boy is kind of like uh, a Superman, but he's very limited. Unlike Superman, who can use you know flying and strength and heat vision all this at the same time, Jonah can only use one or the other. He can only pick one of his, his powers to use at a certain time. Which, you know, it can make him very vulnerable because I mean, he's flying or using his speed or something. He's not invulnerable. So he, he's an interesting character, which is actually used in the story right here on this on this next page here at the bottom. They're being blasted by one of these husks. And he says, you know, again, we get a little exposition out of this. He's like, got to switch during a little bit Ugh! as he gets blasted. So he's flying. And he gets blasted before he gets switched to invulnerability, so he gets taken out. And as Batman goes falling, we turn the page. And Batman is saved by one of the greatest superheroes created. Firestorm shows up. Uh, Firestorm flies down, grabs Batman. And Batman notices that from the looks of him, it's before he became a fire elemental. Uh, as I've talked about before on this show, Firestorm is one of my favorite heroes. Uh, he was written, created by Jerry Conway and around the fifties or so of his own book, I believe it was Jerry kind of started running out of steam. Uh, the book was on a downward spin, not spin, but a downward angle. And so they brought John Ostinger on board to, to liven cells up to, to make some changes. And that's when John brought in, I think it was John Ostinger that brought in Michael, Arkin and the Russian and made him become part of Firestorm. And then he revealed there were the, he was the uh, fire elemental and all those changes. So this takes place right before that. This is the Firestorm I love. He's got the puffy sleeves. Uh, he's got, the, he's the younger, he's still an adult looking body, but he's, he looks younger than he does after he becomes the fire elemental and joins up with my cow. Cause there he's, he's taller and thinner and just, he looks a little different, but again, I, I love the costume of Firestorm I love, you can tell where he's flying because he's got his hair, his fiery hair streaks in the background, kind of like Starfire over the Titans. I love, maybe it's, I'm just crazy, but I love the puffy sleeves on him. And again, we get a little more about Firestorm. Uh, Batman tells Firestorm what he needs to do. And we hear Firestorm again, if you're not familiar with him. Uh, listen more to my show. I've talked about him. No, uh, <laughs> Firestorm is two people. He's a young kid, a, a young kid at this point. He's a uh, college student, I believe, named uh, Ronnie Raymond, who merges with a professor, Professor Stein. And Ronnie's control of the body. Professor Stein is the, the mindscape, if you will. And he helps Ronnie out. So Ronnie talks to him out loud. So a lot of people think he's crazy half the time because he's, he's having half a conversation. And we see that here because uh, he's like, what's the scam, Batman? And Batman's like, get the guy at the burning hands and then destroy the circulum. I can't say that word anyways. And then we, so he's blasting the fire guy. And Ronnie's like, come on, Professor, it'll be a snap. Who's getting cocky? So, again, I like, I like when we see Professor Stein and they're talking back and forth. But I also like seeing sometimes where just Ronnie's into the conversation and you're just kind of filling in what Professor Stein's actually saying. I think that's interesting. And it shows how other people around Ronnie, I'm sorry, Firestorm, sees them and views them and hears them when he talks. And again, here at the bottom, again, these pages aren't numbered, which I hate. I think it's bottom of page 20, it looks like, uh, after, as Firestorm's blasting the, the circular guy 
really butchering that word. Uh, we get Batman and Jonah again back down the ground. And again, Batman, th- this is the Batman I love. I don't, I like it, but I don't care as much for the, the darker, the Batman all in black, like they've been doing in the movies and they've done in more recent times. This is the Batman with the gray costume, the blue cape. This is the classic Batman. And I love he, he's crouched here and he's got his cape furled in front of him. And Jonah's sitting there behind him. There's a lot of shadows and we see mystery creature guys coming up towards Batman. It's like, uh, Jonah's like, glad to see you survived, Batman. Batman's like, yes, but we're not getting the job done. And I get the feeling we're running out of time, but not Husk. And then we had our, our next appearance in this book, which is a Spectre. Again, the Spectre uh, at one time was the Wrath of the Wrath of God, the Vengeance of God. Something, I think it was the Vengeance of God. And uh, again, he shows up in the background. We get a huge head of the Spectre. Be of good faith. You will not. You do not fight alone. And the Spectre shows up. He's a very much of a, a cosmic being. And <laughs> Joe Nas never met the Spectre. He's like, is that Abraxas? Who's the main bad guy? Batman's like, that's the Spectre. That just slipped heavily in our favor. And so we get the Spectre fighting the Husk. Because again, the Spectre is very cosmic, very powerful. So the Spectre... Again, he takes on the main husk while Batman, Firestorm, and Ultra Boy fights the the other creatures. And again, I like Firestorm to be brighter. I like his book. when I say it was a brighter, more four-color again, quotes. But I like the way they're doing it here. Uh, On this page here where they're all fighting, there's not a lot of detail on Firestorm. But there's enough that you know who it is. We get Batman again in the darkness and the shadows where he lives. This is a great scene here that this, these guys fighting, cre- cre- the creepers hitting one of the shadow demons going, tag. <laughs> and uh, all of a sudden, Abrax is like, well done, my demon. The task is completed. The time is ripe. The battle is consummated. Abraxas has come. And Firestorm again. Firestorm is a younger guy in this adult body. He's like, Batman, are we in trouble? And as Batman's fighting these, these creatures, he's like, yes. Continued. And I love this last panel here of Abraxas rising up, Spectre firing upon him. Uh, we get the creeper down here by his feet, fighting one of his creatures. We see Jonah flying into one of the creatures, uh, blasting the fire. We get the back of Firestorm. And again, if this was an introduction of Firestorm, it wouldn't be that great because we're not seeing the front of him. But it's great that he's flying away looking at Abraxas like, Batman, are, are we in trouble? And Batman's just like, yes. And that's where the issue ends. He had a great drawing of Batman here. Like I said, Armageddon 2001 overall, I had some problems with. But, and then the, the uh, what was it? The Armageddon, Alien Armageddon, the next series. It wasn't bad. Uh, this one here, I don't remember a lot about it other than, as I, as I said, the JSA returning. But I'm enjoying it so far. So it is what it is. I like what I'm seeing and I can't wait till next month to read the next issue. But that's going to do it for this time. As I said earlier in the show, uh, this one's going to be a shorter episode just because I ran out of time and, and what have you. So we're going to go and end this right here. But please be back next month when I continue my look at Armageddon Inferno. Uh, we will see the return of the JSA at some point into the DC Universe at this time. 
But I think that's going to do it. Uh, remember, everyone, until next month, Ed has spoken. Thank you for listening to another fantastic episode of Head Speaks. Hope you enjoyed it. If so, let me know. Drop me an email to head at headspeaks.com or visit our home at head.headspeaks.com. You can also visit and talk with me on Facebook and Google+, both under Head Speaks. You can also send an MP3 file with your thoughts, and I can play that on the air. And you can also get more of me on my other podcasts. Be sure to listen to Task Force X, where monthly I look at John Ossinger's Suicide Squad and Paul Kuppenberg's Checkmate comics from the 80s and early 90s. Also, over on G.I. Joe, a real American headcast, my podcasting friends Ryan Daly and Kyle Benning, along with myself, are looking at all of the G.I. Joe, a real American hero comics, and related titles from Marvel and IDW. All of my headcasts are available on iTunes and Stitcher, along with the respective blogs and my main page at headspeaks.com. All, all comments, thoughts, and opinions expressed on Head Speaks are owned wholly by the speaker of said comments and do not express the opinions of Head Speaks, unless, of course, I'm the one making the comments. Head Speaks, Task Force X, and G.I. Joe, a Real American Headcast, are all part of the Headcast family. So join us next month for another wonderful episode of Head Speaks. Until then, I'll see you in the funny pages. Good night.